Whoa. It's been a minute since we've been in the pod cave. It hasn't been a minute if you're uh, not listening to these as they come out, but it's been a minute for us. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Welcome to Spirits and Spoilers. I'm Allie. I'm Elizabeth. I realized recently that we're not good about doing that every single episode. We're not good about doing anything every single you episode. You know what? We're winging it. It's fine. There's times I don't add the closing music before I release an episode. I mean, we're... we're Who listens all the way to the closing music anyway? <laughs> I'm sure everyone who's hearing this is going to listen all the way through to the very last second. Um, if there's anything we are, it is consistently inconsistent. Yes. Which is really funny because I'm a person that thrives on consistency. Oh, absolutely. I've got to have routine. But I feel like our podcast is just chaos. <laughs> oh, our podcast is clown shoes. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Nope, I wouldn't be able to do it any other way. <laughs> um, well, thank you for bearing with us, everybody. We finished our first book, um, and then we took kind of a brief hiatus and... We knew what we wanted to do, but just needed to find the time to be able to do it. and Yeah, and do it the way we wanted to do it. and Yeah, so this and, is know, that time. Doing a whole lot of lifing in between. and Yep. Um, softball season just ended for my kiddo. With a championship. With a championship. They are the tournament champions for the final tournament of the All-Star season for this year. So that was tremendously exciting. Yeah. And after multiple rain delays and rescheduling of days and... Yeah. we So the tournament started... Well, we're recording this on a Saturday. Um, tournament started a week ago yesterday. Um, and it should have been done last Sunday, but yes, rain delay after rain delay, fields completely flooded, just nightmarishness. Um, so then some things got pushed to Monday and then they got pushed from Monday and it was just like, are we ever going to play these games? Is this ever going to happen? And it came down to, of course we had the 4th of July in there, so we couldn't schedule anything for that Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Wednesday, rain again, and it came down to we had to play on Thursday or that was just it. Um, yeah. Because now baseball has their all-star tournament Boo. this weekend. So. Softball's more important. Well, I know, but, <laughs> I, ugh, you know, I, I didn't want to drag it out any further anyway. And I was really yeah. afraid that the girls were going to lose momentum given they had all this time without playing and I was afraid the initial excitement of how well their first games in this tournament went was just going to fizzle out. And yeah. Um, no, if anything, it fueled the fire even more because they played insanely well. They were fielding, they were playing like a team, they were hitting like it was their job. It was just, it was really, really fun to watch. Good. So. Good. Yes, there was that. Um, I got older. Me too. Oh my god, that's right. We both had a birthday. We both had birthdays since we last <laughs> recorded. Oh my god, it's been that long? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so um, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, Yours I, was more recent than mine. <laughs> yeah, mine was just a couple of days ago, and I have new books now. Yep. So I'm pretty excited about that. I know, I saw the post on our social of the ones that you got. Yeah, super geeked. Um Really hoping that one was not incorrectly shelved, though, or my FBI guy is going to really have me on the radar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> how to kill men and get away with it. Yeah. Um, hope this is not a how-to, but 
Or maybe I do hope it maybe. is. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how things play out. Um, you did something fun for your birthday. Yeah, so I turned the big dirty 30. Um, well, you've always been dirty, but... Yeah, but turned 30. So now you're rhyming. Yes. Okay. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I am the baby of the family. So mm-hmm. the baby is officially 30. Which means that I turned more than 30. Yes. 30 plus... Yeah, exactly. That's the exact <laughs> number that I turned. <laughs> um, so Joe surprised me. We went to Chicago. Um, well, he tried to surprise me, but he's bad at lying and keeping secrets, and I'm anxious and know when there's a secret, and I find it out. <laughs> yes, you are relentless. I don't like surprises. No. So um, we went down to Chicago for a few days. We went indoor skydiving. Which was so cool. That sounds um, like so much fun. And there's so much you can do with it. Like, I didn't realize there. it's like an actual sport where you, like, level up and get certified. And then you can compete and do, like, all these cool tricks in the wind tunnel and stuff like that. So are you going to become a professional? If there was one closer, I told Joe, I was like, it's probably good that the closest one of these to us is in Detroit. Because otherwise I would have even more no money than I already have. <laughs> Uh, because I 100% would. It was so cool. Um, oh, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. I know so Addie we, was super jealous. She was like, you have to take me next time. <laughs> yeah, so we did that. And there are kids that do it, too. Like, oh, there yeah. were two little boys that were in our group. Um, so that was a blast. And then we went to see Fall Out Boy, which is my all-time favorite band. I'm currently looking at a Funko Pop <laughs> of um, some of the Fall Out Boy people. Question. Yes. When you saw Fallout Boy, yes, did you dance like Uma Thurman? I did not. Disappointing. I know. So I'm not much of a public dancer, and drinks at ballparks and concerts are stupid expensive. So we each had two drinks, which was not enough to get me to like comfort dancing level. Um, give it another year or two, and you'll you'll get there. Yeah. So I did not. Um, but I scream sang along with everybody else. Okay. Um, could they move mountains? Could they work a miracle? Yes. Work a miracle? Yes. Oh, oh. And they, I'm pretty sure they did play that song too. Okay. Yes. (laughs) No, it was so good though. Like hands down best concert I've ever been to. Um, I lived in the UP for about five years and the summer that I moved up there. So I moved up in July and that year at the Allegan County Fair, like a month and a half later, Follow Boy was at the fair. And they I did that like, on purpose. I was like, it's the year that, uh, like the one year that, was that I'm not slight. living in Allegan in my entire life. <laughs> the one time I want to go to a fair concert. Yes, and I can't. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really good birthday. Good, good. Yep, and now in a couple weeks we go down to Nashville. I have a work conference and then I took a couple extra days to spend down there. So that's how we're going to celebrate Joe's birthday. Are you guys going to be anywhere near a Bucky's on your way? Or is that not far no, enough south? No, I think, yeah, I think it's further south. Okay, bummer. Yeah. Do you want some beaver nuggets? Um, no. <laughs> I never want beaver nuggets. They're really good, I'm not gonna lie. That sounds... It sounds Like disgusting. something I don't want to put in my mouth. It sounds like poop. <laughs> but it's not, and it's delicious. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to hit up a Bucky's sometime and give that a try. Yeah. No, I was actually gonna put in an order for a friend, but oh. that's okay. Yeah. Next time Joe makes a... Florida trip, which usually happens about twice a year. Okay. I'll uh, let you know. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Um, I do want to preface this real quick, too, before we get into it by saying 
I know literally nothing about the book. And I know literally nothing about the Netflix show. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, also, we don't know going into this how many episodes this is going to be. It might be one. It might be a couple. Um, we'll have a better sense when we're done recording. Yes. <laughs> and we might look down at the time of the recording and see that, oh, maybe we should stop here and <laughs> do another one. Right. Um, so just heads up on that. It we do be, not go into this with a plan ever. We used to. And then we started realizing that that plan doesn't work. didn't pan out about halfway through the book. <laughs> so then it was yeah. like, hey, we'll just wing it. Wang it. We wang it. Yeah. We, we wang it hard. hard. <laughs> we wang it hard all the way through that last book. Um, and when we're done with this, I think we'll once again look back and go, well, we wang it. Yep. That's just kind of how we roll at this point. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I don't know if the book and the Netflix series line up well, if they line up a little bit, if they line up not, not at, at all. all. <laughs> um, so we don't know what we're about to get into. Yes. But uh, before we do, we need to cheers. I need to get into this. Yes. yes. Um, um, my beverage is haunted. It is. So it is called the Ghostbuster. Is that it, ectoplasm? It does look like ectoplasm. Okay. Um, it again has What did you do in, in my drink? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little suspect. <laughs> it's a little inappropriate. Um, um, which movie is this making me think of right now? Um, the one with the sexy demon lady. No. Oh. You're thinking of Ghostbusters. Yeah. No. Is that what we're talking about? No. What are we talking about? I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was looking at the, the drink. and Yeah. So it's got Midori in it. It's got um, peach schnapps in it. It calls for one ounce of each. I put two ounces of each in each of our drinks. And this is literally pure alcohol. There's no mixer in it. So if it does go into another episode, it might get a little weird. Weirder than normal. It might. Um, but then it let's calls... Let's just hope for the best. Yeah, it calls to drop in three to five drops of... Um, a Irish cream liqueur and mm -hmm. it makes it look kind of cobwebby. Um, There's it definitely ghosts on the surface of my makes drink. Makes it look like something well, else. This one, check this out. Come over closer. I can't move it too much. Look, there's definitely like a ghost shape and there's eyes and oh, yeah? a mouth. Did you see that? There's I an do. absolute ghost in my drink. So it was, you know, not incorrect. I think it's supposed to make it look like there's ghosts in your drink, um, which it makes worked. sense for being the Ghostbuster, but it also looks a little suspect too. It does. Um, but with that, cheers. Cheers. That's really good. That is really good. For being... For being straight alcohol. I was going to say, for being pure alcohol, it does not taste like pure alcohol. <laughs> and that, my friend, is dangerous. And that is why we're going <laughs> to have a good recording. <laughs> that is the story of my 20s. <laughs> All, All right. Well, shall we get to it? I suppose. All righty. Okay, so let's kick this off. So I think I'm going to let you kind of take lead and I'm going to fill in with like if it related to the series or not. Okay. Um, but I do have a question before. Okay, I have an answer. You go first. Does the book bounce back and forth between them being kids and them being adults? No. Interesting. <laughs> oh, so you're going to have some filler that is not in the original work. Yes. I, okay. It sounds like potentially. I'm on board for it. Okay. All right. So The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson is uh, what we're discussing here. Um, I read the book, like we said earlier, and then 
Allie has watched the Netflix series that it was based on. And it has been, I've watched it twice. Okay. Because I watched it with a former roommate and then Joe and I watched it. Okay. But it's been a while since I've seen it. Okay. Um. So you're going to have some source material. Yeah. So I have a, uh, it's from the nerddaily.com. Oh, okay. Um, but it's like a synopsis of it so that I can kind of help refresh my memory also. Gotcha. And honestly, I'm going to say this was a little bit of a tricky read. Um, if you're just reading it for enjoyment, um, it's probably, you know, it's not really necessarily a tricky read, but to read it in a way that I can explain it and talk about it intelligently, I kind of wanted to have a point of reference and sort of check my own understanding. So I am referring to the Sparknotes study guide on The Haunting of Hill House. Um, back and forth just a little bit to, like I said, just make sure that I wasn't misremembering, misinterpreting, misunderstanding. Yeah. So Well, and Sparknotes is a good resource. It got me through my Shakespeare class in college. <laughs> Oh, that would be the only way I would be able to do a Shakespeare class. Yeah. I would read the section we were supposed to in the book, and then I would read it on Sparks Notes because they had not only, like, a synopsis of it, but they also had it, like, side-by-side side translated into modern English. Oh, nice. So I did it that way, and that was the way to do it. Otherwise, I would have had absolutely no idea what was going on. <laughs> Honestly, the reason that I did not become an English education major is because I would have to take... I can't remember if it was one or if it was actually two Shakespeare classes. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Mine was I from... Just, I, don't, I don't do Shakespeare. Mine was from 6 to 9 p.m. one night a oh, week. Oh, that is brutal. My freshman year of college. Why did you do that to yourself? Because I was an idiot my freshman year of college. Because I don't like me. I also signed up for Arabic my freshman year of college. Like, like, that was a good idea. You were young and dumb. I was. I'm still <laughs> dumb, but I'm old and dumb now. You're middle-aged and yes. dumb. <laughs> All right, so um, I'll start out by doing just kind of a, an introduction to and brief description of the characters in the book. Perfect. I have a little description here, too, so we can see how the characters differ, too. Okay. So the first one, kind of the main character that this story centers around is Eleanor Vance. Mm -hmm. uh, she also is referred to as Nell or Nellie. So if you're hearing those, that's all the same person. Yes. Uh, she had been caring for her invalid mother for the last 11 years, and she was the sole caretaker for her mother. I see the look <laughs> on your face that says this is not how the series goes. Um, no, the mom's dead. Well, she is now at this point, yes. Oh, this is, okay. Yes, leading up to this point, she had been. Okay. For the prior 11 years, she was Got the sole it. caretaker. Then mom died. Okay, I thought you were saying that mom was still alive in no. the book and Nellie was taking care of her, and I was like, this is already off to a bad start. <laughs> <laughs> no, mom has died at the point that the story begins. Okay, I don't remember it saying that she was taking care of her mom. I don't think that that happened in the series. Okay. Yeah, so in the book, she'd been her mom's sole caretaker. Her mom was ill, um, so it all fell on her, and she had no life outside of taking care of her mother. Now she's living with her sister Carrie and her brother-in-law, who I don't think he gets named in the book. Okay. Um, Eleanor struck me as being really immature. She's definitely full of resentment for having to take care of her mom for all this stretch of time, and... She kind of reads to me as being a little bit entitled, too. Okay. She has kind of her own little world in her mind, and she escapes there. She's got kind of escapist tendencies, and sometimes the line between fantasy and reality gets a little bit blurry, and I think that's what made some of the 
book a little bit tricky for me was figuring trying out trying to figure out what actually happened and what was Nell's mind. Yeah, like what is just her perception? What might actually be a supernatural occurrence? What are other people seeing that she's not, or what is she seeing that other people are not? Yeah. And where does that fall? Is it because of supernatural, or is this something within her? Okay. Um, she's not what I would call a reliable narrator. She, you know, you just find yourself as you get further into it going like, okay, but she she's basically telling us this story, but well, how is, it is this accurate? accurate? Yeah. yeah. So um, she's also, I don't think, a particularly sympathetic character. I just... We're we're back into a book where you're going to hear all about how there's some people I don't like. Yeah. There's some characters I just don't care for. Yeah. That's... Not in a way that, like, oh, I hate reading this book because these characters... Yeah. No, it's... Every, I think every book, every good book has characters that you're like, I don't like them, but they are important to the story. Like, they're I know why they're the story. Here. They're well-written. Yes. I'm enjoying reading it, but I don't like I them. I enjoy how they're written. I don't like the characters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Nellie, so far, is already very different. Okay, so tell me what she is in the series. So, in the series, from the synopsis and from what I remember... Sorry, I got a ghost on my tongue. I was going to say, did you get one of the ghosties? I got a ghost on my tongue. It was a little weird. Continue. Um, She is very sympathetic. Really? So, she's also married in the series. Oh, yeah, that's very different. So, she's living with her husband, and she is plagued by... um, Oh my god, what is it called? Sleep paralysis. Oh. And I like this angle. In the sleep paralysis, she sees what she refers to and she has seen her since she was a child, but she refers to her as the bent neck lady. Okay. And that's kind of her like sleep paralysis demon. Okay. Um, but it's carried on from when she was a kid living at Hill House all the way through adulthood. Oh, so she lived at Hill House as a kid. Yes. Okay. So you're gonna see a difference there in a minute (laughs) so she is very sympathetic she's got a lot going on with that and like that I mean just plagues into like into her everyday life too where it's like it's something that is just psychologically really messing with her okay um and she's the youngest of the five kids okay in the series okay um so she um she's also a twin she and Interesting. Luke, Luke are twins. There's no Luke in the book. Okay. And there's no, what did you say the sister, sister's name was? Carrie. There's no Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, But yeah, so like to me, Nellie is a very sympathetic character, but she is very much so a youngest child. And I am also speaking as a youngest child where uh-huh. there are times that she comes across as still almost being a little kid. Baby-ish. Yes. <laughs> How else would you like me to describe you? No. Um, and not to the point that it's necessarily a bad thing, because she's also the one that's trying to be, like, the peacekeeper of the family. And, like... Oh, interesting. They're all kind of doing their own thing now, and she's trying to, like, be the glue that holds all of the siblings together, kind okay. of. Okay. So I think that that factors into some of that, like, babyish tendencies. Also, where it's, mm-hmm. like... She's now taking on this role that, like, the youngest child wasn't necessarily meant to take on, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so she's probably got a little bit of that resentment. Yeah. But maybe for a little bit different reason yeah. in the so, series than in the book. Yep, and she just comes across in the series as being very troubled. Okay. Interesting. Yes. I, 
I would say there is definitely some some troubled aspect to her in the book, but I think it's going to take a little bit different form than what you have seen. Yeah. Um, so the second character that we have in the book is Theodora or Theo. Okay, we have a Theo. Okay. We love a Theo. We love a Theo? Yes. Thea, Theo in my in the series is my favorite character. Okay. I'm dying to watch the series already. I know. I really want to watch it with you, though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Okay. Or even if, like, we watch it separately in our own houses. But, but like, on the phone together? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I need to know, like, all of the things that happen, what your reaction is. Okay. So, Theo has kind of a take-charge personality. She's a little... I, I don't know. She's got personality to fill a room, yeah. really. Yep. She is as independent as Nell is dependent. Yep. Um, they're very polar opposites. Um, she's very warm initially, very welcoming, very, um, I don't know, very easy, I think, for Nell to kind of connect to when they first meet. But she can be kind of bitchy and mean yep. and spiteful when she is bored or if she is not, uh, the way they described it in Spark Notes was properly admired, which I thought <laughs> was spot on. Yep. Um, you know, if she's like not the center of attention and if people aren't kind of fawning, then that's when that kind of crops up for her. She has some psychic abilities, which are the reason for her invitation to Hill House. She, again... In the series, the kids grew up for a little bit in Hill House. The okay. parents bought Hill House as kind of a fixer-upper, and they lived there. So it, like, flashes back and forth between their childhood and, like, present day as adults. Interesting. Um, Theo in the series... Um, Wait, so are she and Nell siblings in the series? Yes. Okay, they are not in the book. Interesting. Yeah. Yes, Theo is, is the middle child. In the series. Interesting. She yeah. sounds like a middle child. Yes. Um, and I got less of, I'm looking like, at you, Andrew and Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> in the series, I got less of um, wanting to be admired and, like, being bored for her iciness. Okay. But um, in the series, she's sensitive. She can sense things by touching them. And hmm. sometimes she sees, like, almost like visions when she touches an object. Oh, interesting. So in the series, a lot of times you see her wearing gloves. Because it's also when she touches people and stuff like that. So, oh. Um, Conceal, don't feel. Exactly. <laughs> Let it go, Theo. Let it go. Um, which, in the series, she you end up finding that her um, her job is a child psychologist or psychiatrist. That's fascinating because her job in the book is that she, um, she owns a shop. Okay. And she's, I don't know, she's kind of artsy. Yeah. So that's a big deviation there, yeah. too. Um, but yeah, as a kid, she ends up in one of these, like, senses, seeing her mother bloodied and rotting and screams for her to get away. So, like, since then, it's been this thing where it's like she kind of puts it to good use when she needs to. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't like to because obviously, like, she sees and feels all of those things. So she doesn't want it to sneak up on her. Yes. She wants to use it on her terms. Yes. Okay. But even when she does use it on her terms, it's... It takes a toll on her. Sure. So, I like, in the series, that's kind of where that iciness comes from. And she's, like... Like, she's exhausted. She's independent and a loner because she doesn't want to get close to people because then she has to touch them. And, like, she... she you know, it's one of those. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. So then, bouncing back to the book, um, 
one of our other characters is Dr. John Montague. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so Dr. John Montague is kind of a scientist-ish character. Um, he has a degree in anthropology. Okay. But he is very, very interested in the supernatural. And he has invited all of the others to come to Hill House. Interesting. Yeah. Um, more detail on that in a minute. But for now, we're just going to note that he is seeking notoriety. Okay. Uh, then we have Luke Sanderson. We have a Luke, but he is Nell's twin in the series. That is wild. He is totally unrelated to Nell in the book. Okay. He is the future heir of Hill House. Okay. He lies and steals when he's not too lazy to do it. Um, not maybe a real stand-up guy. Yeah. I get the sense he's like, I don't know, just kind of young and entitled and, you know, just... What's up, Diesel? Um, yeah, sorry if you can hear my dog barking upstairs. <laughs> he's kind of flirtatious. He uses humor as a weapon. Okay. So he'll, like, poke fun at people, and he's kind of... Stir the pot? Yeah, a little bit. Um, can be a little sharp. Okay. Um, his aunt, who currently owns the house, has required him to be at the house to oversee Dr. Montague's study. So he was not invited by Dr. Montague. Dr. Montague just found this location, contacted the owner, and the owner says, yes, you can use it, but my nephew's got to be there to see what you're doing. Yep. So that's his role. Okay. So Luke in the series is very troubled. Like, you can tell traumatic things happened at Hill House in okay. their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is one that has seemed... He and Nell, I think, kind of took it the hardest, even okay. though they were the youngest. Um, and so he is now, as an adult, heavy into drugs, okay. drinking, um, in and out of rehab, and... The siblings all really want to help him, but Nell is the one that is, like, constantly in contact with him, trying to help him. The others, like, want for him to get better, but are at a point that it's, like, you need to show us that you're ready to do this before mm-hmm. they'll support him again, kind of a thing. Sure. Um, where they got like, some boundaries. Yeah, they've, they've been burned a few too many times. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Um, then we have Mrs. Montague. So she is Dr. Montague's wife and a fellow paranormal investigator. Okay. She is a real piece of work. She, um, so she and her husband, they don't really see eye to eye on their methods of investigation. He's a little more scientific and doesn't think that some of the methods that she uses are as valid or, I don't know, um, there's, I think, a little disagreement and a little maybe criticism between the two of them. And okay. she, you know, really her response to that is, well, prove that this doesn't work. Yeah. You know, prove that this isn't valid. So she's a little bit condescending and she is, no, she's more than a little, she is condescending and she's awful. Okay. Except to the spirits that she communicates with. Interesting. So she has sympathy. She can show love, just not for the living. Yeah. Okay. Any, anybody that compares to? Not really. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. This is really going to be 
a fascinating is, journey. Yeah, this is gonna be way crazier than I thought it was. It be. is. I thought that they were gonna line up more than what they are. Yeah, we're only <laughs> discussing characters, and we're already telling two different stories. Yes. So. Okay. So then we have Arthur Parker. What a name! I Arthur know. Parker. Arthur it's Parker. Kind of, it's kind of fun to say. It's a lot. It's it's Francisco. <laughs> I was gonna go with rural juror. Yes. Okay. So earlier off mic, I was saying something about rural, and every time I say it, I'm like, "What a freaking weird word it is!" It is such it's a terrible so word. It's so hard to say. Who came up with that? The rural juror. And you always just sound dumb when you say rural. Rural. <laughs> Like there's, no, there's no good way to say it. There's not. It anyway, doesn't work. Sorry, continue. So Arthur Parker, the rural juror, is... <laughs> I thought that was going to be a spit take. Um, so he it's is close. Mrs. Montague's companion. Companion? I don't get the sense there's anything sketchy oh, okay. or untoward happening there. Um, just like her assistant or, oh, okay. you know, not... I, I don't think they're, like, ethically non-monogamous or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a um, situation where I've told Joe that I would like to have a sugar daddy on the side, but, like... A platonic sugar daddy? Yes, but no intimacy ever. Literally just, like... Just give me cash. Pay my bills, and I'll go hang out with you for a little bit. And I just will like, give I'll you give a you crisp company. high five. Yeah, I'll give you some company. We can go to dinner and chat. Right. Um, we'll watch some game shows. Yeah. I'm in for that. I'll pick up denture cleaner for you. Yeah, but that's that's it. Yeah. I will be an <coughs> overpaid errand girl. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? That makes that's, total that's sense. That's what I thought. I told Joe, I'm just trying to get our bills paid. Why aren't there more guys out there looking for that? <laughs> anyway. So, yes, the companion, the kind of co-worker, assistant, whatever. He is also the headmaster at a school for boys where he rules with a heavy hand, but he is basically a yes man to Mrs. Montague. So it's... So he's a trench bowl in the school and a wimp in the... I don't know where I was trying to go with that. house? Yeah. house? <laughs> that, that did not work. It didn't. I was trying. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. It fizzled. It did not land. <laughs> so he rules with a heavy hand there, but he's just a yes man to Mrs. Montague, and he has the personality of a stale fart. <laughs> He's, Please tell me that was written in the book. It was not. That was your girl. I came up with that for you. Oh, and it fits. So nobody equivalent there, I assume. Nope. Okay, so then we have Dudley. Dudley is the caretaker of Hill House. Does and he complain about how many birthday presents he got compared to last year? No, he does not. That's a different. Last year I had 37. That's a different book. Okay. Different Dudley. Just, just double checking. <laughs> Um, so he's the caretaker of Hill House, and he is an absolute case for me to nope right out of there upon arrival. Okay. He is he like is... The, the crypt keeper caretaker? Um, I mean, kind of. He's like a filch, but scarier. Okay. Since you already brought Harry Potter into this. Uh, I he, he's an Argus filch. I know. <laughs> and then there's Mrs. Dudley, who is his wife. Okay. She is the cook. She, you can set your watch to... When she serves the meals, she has a very rigid schedule. She reminds them of it all the time. She says very little else to anyone other than, you know, dinner is served at six o'clock. I respect that. Um, she waits on nobody there. She is kind of sour, just kind of a sour person. She will not stay at Hill House after sunset. So that's similar. There are caretakers in okay. the movie that kind of like... Come with the property, if you will. Okay. Um, and it's similar. They're both pretty... They seem more friendly, though, than what they are in the book. 
Okay. In the series. Um, yeah, they are not warm, fuzzy people in the book. They're not necessarily, like, warm, fuzzy, but, like, they interact with the kids. They, like, oh, yeah. they're not, like, cold and sour. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, there's no kids in the book, so. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, cold and sour and kind of scary. Yep, they live either, like, on the property, but, like, on the outskirts of the property or, like, just off of it, they have a house. See, in the book, they live in town. Okay. And Hill House is outside of town. I'm pretty sure they live either, like, on the outskirts of the property or, like, close to it, if I am remembering correctly. But same thing, they will not stay there after dark. They have And they will not hear you scream, by the way, because they live all the way in town. And Hill House, this might surprise you, is on on a a hill hill. outside of town. (gasps) Gasp. I know. Um, Shock and horror. Wait. Yeah, that part is the same where they they are out of there before sunset every okay. day, and it's a hard fast rule for them. Oh yeah, they're not messing around with it. Um, so basically, to recap, everybody in this book is awful in their own way. That's kind of my analysis. Yep. <laughs> in a nutshell, anybody in the series that I haven't mentioned that we should talk about? Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was a question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But my brain didn't process it as one right away. I noticed. (laughs) Yes, there are. So, um, the series follows the family, the Cranes. Oh. C-R-A-I-N-S. Huh. So, the Cranes are a mom and dad and their five kids. And they buy Hill House when the kids are young. Okay. To fix it up. Um, It's a bit of a fixer-upper? Yes. And their plan (laughs) is to fix it and sell it. Okay. Um, but they're stuck longer than expected. Um, so we've got, let's see, Olivia Crane is the mom. Okay. Um, she ends up throughout the series having, like, migraines, hallucinations, and visions. Um, also, like, it seems like from certain characters' perspectives, she ends up having just, like, some mental health issues or some psychological something that happens okay to and that's like it's i don't really remember what the dad thinks about all of it but the two older kids tend to think that like more that side of it Mm -hmm. and then the younger kids tend to remember more of a supernatural and that's also kind of a division in the the siblings relationships too is like whenever nelly tries to bring up things that happen they're like you were little, you imagined that, or, like, you didn't, you don't know what actually happened, like... And, Allie, how well does that kind of thing sit with the youngest child? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot happens, but, um, so there's the two parents, and then Stephen is the oldest child. Okay. Um, he kind of takes on the care of, of, or the role of caretaker, mm-hmm. um, but he's also only a kid. Okay. So he um, is the one that it kind of tends to focus mostly on him and Nellie in the series. Okay. Um, and he is the one that ends up, like, writing the book The Haunting of Hill House after all of what happens in the series takes place. Okay. Um, so he is, like I said, much more of, like, the practical, like, mom had mental health issues that went untreated and that's what caused a lot of this. So he's kind of the logic-y, scientific-y yes. guy. Okay. Um, scientific-y is definitely a word, by it the way. Is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's okay. the, the proper word. <laughs> Glad we agree. Um, Shirley is the second child. And she did not write the account, huh? 
No. Which is interesting because Shirley Jackson is the author of the book. Oh, interesting. Little Easter egg for you. All right. Well, nope. So Shirley is the second oldest. Okay. Um, she, let's see, has, I believe she owns a funeral home with her husband and then they have a couple of kids of their own if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, so she is also kind of one of the more practical ones of like, she went into that knowing like being that caretaker role of like, as mm -hmm. the siblings get older, like she will know kind of what to do with the process, like that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, we talked about Luke, who's one of the twins, mm -hmm. um, and then Nellie. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about Theo, too, in the middle. So, yep, five kids, all siblings. Okay. Fascinating. Yep. So, when the book starts, Dr. Montague, uh, like I said, he has a degree in anthropology and an interest in psychic phenomena, which is how he wants to achieve notoriety. So, he's found Hill House, which is known for being haunted, and he makes arrangements to stay there and conduct a study with two participants. Eleanor is one of the participants, and she is chosen because she had an experience with a poltergeist as a child. Oh, okay. Side note, fun rabbit hole. I know what a poltergeist is, but I also kind of just wanted to double check myself because anxiety brain. Right. Well, and also Peeves is a poltergeist. So. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, he's not what I remember poltergeists being growing up. No. So poltergeist, I thought it was kind of fun translates in German to rumbling ghost. Interesting. Yeah. It's a ghost who is responsible for physical disturbances. And a poltergeist will tend to haunt a person rather than a physical location. Okay. We talked about how Theodora had potential psychic abilities. Yep. So these are the two that are part of Dr. Montague's study. Um, and then additionally, we have Luke there and he is a thief and a liar and he is there because his aunt owns the house and he is the future heir to the house or to the, I don't, he'll be inheriting the house. Yes. I'm still on my first cup of coffee. <laughs> Same, but I put a little bit of Irish cream in mine. Oh, nice. I should have done that, but I didn't. <laughs> um... So let's see. So when this opens, Eleanor has gotten this invitation to come to Hill House for this experiment from Dr. Montague, who she's never met before. And like we discussed when we were going over characters, Eleanor lives with her sister and her brother-in-law. Um, she had been taking care of their mother, who has recently died. And then, yeah, this invitation comes. And the sister and the brother-in-law are kind of suspicious of this and tell her not to go. And oops, say again. I said, probably smart. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I feel like that's kind of basic survival is don't show up at a random haunted house on an invitation from somebody you've never met before, but right. Maybe I'm paranoid. I don't know. Um, so the sister, Carrie, has kind of, I guess, taken over mom's role a little bit of being maybe a little bit controlling of Eleanor's life. 
And Eleanor is feeling a lot of resentment about this. And she says, you know what? I paid for half of the car. I'm going to take the car and I'm going to go. And, you know, they all share this car and they're saying, well, no, we need the car. You can't just take off with the car. But she's like, nope, I paid for half of the car. Half of the car is mine. I'm going to take the car and I'm going to go to Hill House. So she takes off. She's going to be independent. She's going to do her thing. She is going to participate in the study. So she takes the car. She stops at a diner on the way. And there's this little girl in the diner. And she's insistent about wanting to drink her milk from her special cup of stars. And that kind of sticks with Eleanor. And, you know, there's reference again to the cup of stars. Um, And Eleanor is you know, kind of thinking like, wow, this girl's really brave because she's holding her ground against her parents. So that's kind of how it, it opens up. And we kind of realize that Eleanor maybe uh, just, you know, is really desperate to strike out on her own. So I like that um, she saw it as being brave and standing her ground against her parents when like, I feel like most <laughs> Most people that have kids or stepkids or work with kids are like, right. no, they're just being stubborn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know which way is right here. <laughs> yeah. It just, I, I don't know how brave it really is, but yeah, it just made me laugh. Uh-huh. So eventually Eleanor makes her way through the town and she arrives at Hill House. And by the way, she's just following directions that were written in her invitation so i mean really doesn't have a whole lot to go on other than follow the written directions and show up at the haunted house and strangers will be there <laughs> yeah again seems a little ill-advised but right that's just me so she's the first one to arrive um and she meets the dudleys who are really just kind of cold and unwelcoming so Mr. Dudley explains to her, yeah, you know, we live like six miles away in town. Um, Mrs. Dudley says, we don't stay at the house after dark. And they encourage her to leave. But, you know, and she's kind of got a little bit of an in- instinct to flee at this point that I think probably, you know, if you've got that instinct, it might be a good idea to pay attention to it. Always trust your gut at least give it some consideration and go, Hmm, why am I feeling this way? Is this a bad idea? Right. (laughs) So, um, but she really feels like if she turns back, that's, you know, that's a failure. So she can't turn back. So she recites the lyrics journeys end in lovers meeting. And that's, you know, anytime she's feeling nervous or anything, that's going to come up again. She's going to repeat that to herself. So, um, So already we've got a couple of themes we're going to kind of see throughout the book. Yes. Um, So Mrs. Dudley takes Eleanor inside to the blue room, which is a bedroom that is decorated entirely in blue. We had a blue room growing up. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I know. I thought of that instantly when I read this too. (laughs) Um, Then Theo or Theodora arrives shortly after that and she gets the green room, which is the adjacent bedroom. And I believe the bedrooms, if I recall correctly, share a door. 
or they there's a door connecting the two bedrooms okay kind of like a hotel yeah yeah very much so um Theo is like really bubbly and warm and Eleanor is just immediately completely charmed by her and they become friends and you know decide they might be cousins and they're going to explore the grounds together and um so they do they go kind of for a walk they find this brook that looks like something out of a fairy tale and um you know so they're just kind of hanging out relaxing enjoying and then Eleanor gets a little spooked because she sees something moving across the hill and she admits to Theo that she doubts that she can complete the study and she might have to go home but Theo says you know no it was just a rabbit and you know nothing can separate us now so another red flag I know (laughs) I know um I'm guessing so far none of this is lining up no not even a little bit interesting okay I just lost my spot here so I really lost my spot here (laughs) hold on nothing can separate us now right very ominous yes so um, next to arrive are Dr. Montague and Luke. Dr. Montague tells the group about the history of the house after dinner, but he's kind of reluctant to do it because he doesn't want to scare anybody into leaving because the last tenant to leave at night died when the, his horse crushed him against the oak tree in the driveway. Oh. So um, it was built 80 years prior by a man named Hugh Crane. So here we've got the overlap. Okay. Okay. I just remembered this. Okay, yep. So there's the cranes. Um, The adults in the house now are not the cranes. So that's kind of funny. Okay. So he designed the house as a series of concentric circles. And it's like just about impossible to navigate. Kind of reminds me of the Winchester Mystery House. Okay. You're going to have to refresh my memory on that one. Um, That's the one that got... The guy that invented the Winchester rifle, um, his wife was convinced, especially after he died, that the spirits of people that were killed by them were going to come haunt her. So she just had continuous construction going on on the house. So now there's like stairs that lead to doors that aren't there anymore and um, rooms that have been completely walled in without like access to them anymore, stuff like that. And if you tour it they tell you like you have to stay with the tour group or you will get lost okay yep that's right i knew that sounded familiar but where is that again do you remember northern california oh i want to go i do too okay so yeah it's basically a giant maze it's almost impossible to navigate um crane's wife never set foot in the house she died when her carriage overturned in the driveway oh my goodness yeah um so crane stayed and he raised his two daughters in the house but he's you know just depressed and bitter and um the girls eventually fought over ownership of the house and eventually it landed in the hands of the caretaker of the older sister who was a young woman from town um she was harassed so much by the younger sister and the townspeople she hung herself in the turret of the house oh my gosh 
Yeah. So, I mean, are we seeing some potential for some haunting here? Yeah, there's a lot going on at this house. A lot going on in this place. So, over the first week, there's a whole bunch of different events that happen, and they're not easily explainable. So, um, one night, the women hear a loud banging on the door, and there's a, a breeze, a chilling breeze. The men see a mysterious animal run down the hallway. And then they also discover that there is a mysterious cold spot outside of the nursery. Of course, there's a nursery. And of course, there's a cold spot. Yes, there's always Uh, a nursery and a cold spot. Right. And then Eleanor smells something awful. Just, Just an awful, awful smell. And then... The, the big thing that happens in the first week is that Luke finds the words help Eleanor come home written in chalk in the halls. Hmm. Yeah. Help Eleanor come home. So as each thing's ha- thing happens, everybody in the group gets more and more suspicious of Eleanor. Yep. And she's terrified at the thought that the house is singling her out. They think she's responsible for like the writing on the walls and things like that. And, you know, and she is just convinced there's, you know, something in the house or the house itself is targeting her. Yeah. So of course this does not get better. It it doesn't just, you know, mysteriously stop after the first week. So Next, we have Theo finding the words, help Eleanor come home, sorry, help Eleanor come home, Eleanor, written in blood on her walls. On Theo's walls? On Theo's walls, yes. Okay. And Theo kind of comes unglued at Eleanor because she suspects that Eleanor is doing all these things for attention. So Eleanor, meanwhile, is like losing her grasp she understandably yeah she just is you know having a hard time with reality and um at the same time she's getting more and more connected to theo and dr montague is telling them ghosts can't cause physical harm only fear can but they keep experiencing things that are hard to recall but also hard to deny okay then we have mrs montague arrive so she's dr montague's wife she's a parapsychologist and her friend arthur is with her and she instantly just starts in on her husband about you know he's basically made no progress and she says you know she will draw out the spirits she is you know, going to get to the bottom of it. And she thinks that the spirits feel lonely and want to connect, but that, you know, they need a little encouragement to communicate. Something tells me that's not right. Yeah. I I feel like maybe she's a little off base here, but it's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) So in order to coax the spirits into communicating, she uses a planchette, which are you familiar with what that is? Is that the thing from the Ouija board? It can, yes. So it's used on a Ouija board. It can also be used with a pen for, um, 
like automatic writing. Oh, okay. So Mrs. Montague says that a spirit named Nell spoke to her and said it wants to go home. Interesting. Yes. Um, now, Dr. Montague thinks that her methods and using the planchette is complete crap. Um, but the group is pretty disturbed at this point anyway, and they're getting even more suspicious of Eleanor and continuing to watch her, and Eleanor is getting more and more frightened of the house. Yes. So that night, Dr. Montague, Luke, Theo, and Eleanor all stay in a room together to keep watch. Nobody's going to sleep that night. They're just all going to stay in there and they're going to, you know, just monitor things. Um, there are horrible banging sounds on the door while Mrs. Montague and Arthur sleep in nearby rooms and hear nothing. Hmm. Are not bothered. Eleanor then realizes she can hear any sound that occurs inside the house, no matter what room she's in. So she takes this to mean that she is like becoming one with the house and she can sense things that the others can't. So she wakes up one night and she goes and she is aware that she is not entirely in control of her own actions here. She hears a voice that sounds like her mother's and she's chasing it throughout the house. And she's trying to avoid all the others who now realize that she's up and roaming and she retreats back to the library and she climbs a rickety iron stairway to the turret and everybody else gathers underneath it. And they worry that the stairway is going to collapse, but Luke goes up and he brings Eleanor back down to safety. Um, it's worth mentioning that when they were originally touring the house at the beginning of the book, she could not go in the library. Okay. Like just could not make herself do it. Um, so, but that's where the, the turret is. Yeah. So, um, so the next morning they all agree Eleanor has got to go. She, you know, meanwhile, she has kind of decided in her own mind that when they're done, she's going to leave and she is going to go live with Theo in her apartment and, you know, help her keep the shop and they're going to be together. And um, so now that they've all decided Eleanor needs to leave, she is in tears. She says she has nowhere to go. Hill House is her home now. She can't go back. Um, that's yeah. another big red flag. You, that red flag is waving its own red flags. Yeah. Hill House you, it's, is my home. Yes. Yes. I am one with the house. Yeah. Not, not a good situation. So, you know, Dr. Montague is extremely worried at this point for Eleanor's sanity because he's feeling like she is just she's lost touch at this point so he tells her you have to leave at once she finally agrees they bring the car around they watch her get in they watch her drive down the driveway and as she departs Eleanor is you know just pitying the group for thinking that they can thwart the house's you know, the, the house wants to keep her and, you know, that they think they can outsmart the house. Mm -hmm. And she is in full on belief that she belongs to the house at this point. So she accelerates towards the oak tree and, you know, she's wondering why she's doing this, why no one is stopping her. 
and she keeps speeding toward it and she crashes into the oak tree and dies. <laughs> and then the group leaves Hill House. Uh, Dr. Montague does publish his study and his colleagues all just ridicule him and he is he does not gain the notoriety he was looking for in going to Hill House. Man, what a trip. It is a trip. So so tell me how this aligns with the series, if at all. Um, there are some subtle similarities. Okay. So the series is, um, like I said, it jumps back and forth between the siblings being kids at Hill House and like present day where they're all doing their own thing. Okay. And this is the Crane children, right? Whose father Correct. built the house. Okay. Yes. So I think that I'm going to start with some of like the present day stuff that's happening. Okay. Um, and again, I, this is from the nerddaily.com. Um, and I like how they set up their recap, but they also made some interesting parallels to each of the siblings showing or like being the embodiment of a different stage of grief. Oh, um, so earlier I said that Stephen, who's the eldest, um, wrote the book at the end of this. He didn't. He wrote the book bef like before the series took place. So he is the author of The Haunting of Hill House, um, which is based on the family's experience at Hill House's kids. But like I said, he doesn't believe in ghosts. He is the very practical one. Um, so they, the siblings for the most part are like mad that he wrote this book. Um, especially because we find out through the series, like, nobody really knows exactly what happened on that last night at Hill House. Um, so Shirley, who's the second oldest, refuses to take any of his money that he made from the book, because um, he's trying to, like, share the wealth with the siblings. Okay. Um, but she finds out later that her husband secretly is behind her back, and the rest of the siblings are also accepting money. Oh, I bet that uh, breeds some resentment. Yes. So, like I mentioned, too, Shirley owns a funeral home. She's got a husband and two kids. Um, they say in this article that Stephen portrays the first stage of grief, which is denial. Okay. Um, and it says so much so that he believes all the talk of ghosts is because of a mental illness that runs in his family. Hmm. Um, and... Then they're saying that Shirley embodies anger, which is the second stage of grief. Mm -hmm. um, Theo portrays bargaining. Um, like I said, she's now a successful child psychologist who uses her gift uh, in her job. Um, she also oh. drinks to cope. Um, but you kind of, she ends up forming a relationship with someone that she met at a bar Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to see her development through the series too. Right. Um, Luke is depression, the fourth stage of grief. Um, like I said, he becomes a drug addict in and out of rehab. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Nellie is, um, like I said, haunted by sleep paralysis. Um, her sleep paralysis 
demon is someone called the bent neck lady. Right. Um, she ends up marrying a sleep therapist that she saw for a little bit. Um, yes. And um, she or he ends up dying while she's in the middle of an episode of sleep paralysis. Oh. And so that like further adds to her um, declining mental health. Yeah, that that can't be good. Yes. So that's kind of where everyone is during, like, when they are showing the present day. Like, they're all kind of navigating all of that. So, um, let's see. They, like I said, it swaps back and forth a lot. It's, um... It's a little bit, I don't want to say hard to follow, because, like, I really like how they set it up, but there's times that I'm like, man, I wish they would have spent a little bit more time here before they swapped back. Um, Growing up in Hill House, they had a pretty fun childhood, for the most part, um, mixed in with some terrifying things. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, isn't that everybody's childhood? Right. Um, but they all loved Hill House. They all loved growing up there and um, being able to, you know, explore the house and all of this. Um, there was one red door, though, that they could not open no matter how hard they tried. I feel like a red door, unless it's your front door, because that's a feng shui thing. I feel like a red door is bad news. Right. I don't know why. I, just I would cling like- to that. Okay, I, I will claim. <laughs> Consider me clung. So, um, they end up, I mean, just like, in the series, there's so many good jump scares with, like, ghosts and stuff like that in the house. And there's also, like, you really have to pay attention because there's so many ghosts that you'll miss. Really? Yeah. Um, And it's, like, not super important ones, but it's kind of fun to, like, watch through. Like, the second time that I watched the series through, I focused more so on the background, trying to spot, like, where there might be hidden ghosts. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I recommend watching it through a couple times because that was kind of fun. Okay. I cannot wait to get started on it already. (laughs) Yes. So they, um... As they grow up, there's this one night, it's their last night in Hill House, where something traumatic happens, and we don't know what it is throughout the series. And each of the siblings has kind of a different view of what happened that night, or a different thought of what happened that night. So as adults, none of them are in Hill House anymore? Correct. Okay. Yep. So this is all just remembering it yes gotcha okay um so they end up having a funeral and i can't for the life of me think of who it was Mm. do you need me to do some googling um yes i do let's say so this is the funeral is happening on their last night in the house? No, the funeral is present day. Okay. It's at Shirley's funeral home. 
And they're all, for the most part, kind of estranged from their father also. And he is at the funeral. So it's like it's some sort of family member, I believe. But I can't for the life of me think of who it is. And I don't know that it's necessarily like an important detail, but. This one is not going to tell me whose it is. Okay. That's fine. Like I said, I don't think whose it is was super important. Um, But we do know throughout this whole process that the mom is dead and she died like when they were children okay so Nellie has well and that would actually line up with the book and the idea that the Blaine children's mom never actually set foot in the house because she died in the driveway yes so there's a parallel she was at Hill House though okay yep um but she died at Hill House okay um so throughout Nellie's adult life the house is kind of luring her back um there's just like she feels some pull to it but she's also afraid of it so she hasn't followed through um but Hugh the father had locked it up and refused to sell it so because of the things that happened there he would not sell it so now it's just becoming like decrepit nobody's keeping up on it that kind of thing um but he doesn't want another family to own it so um, but sorry i have been googling while you've been talking are it, are you referring to nell's funeral i didn't think so but actually i might be because it yeah. talks here about nell um has killed herself and then yes at the funeral home okay yep okay so she like i said the house is like calling her back so she ends up going there Um, okay she sees lights flashing which like i said nobody has lived there for years so that's a big note for me yes um but she remembers that it's like an invitation for her to come inside used previously by their mom who would flash the porch lights (sighs) when it was time to come back Oh. So once back in the house, we see this montage of her dancing with her husband, and it flashes from like what Nell's seeing versus what's actually happening. So you'll see her like dancing with her husband, who reminder is dead. Um yeah. and then it'll and the house is all lit up and and nice, and then it flashes to what's actually happening, and she's dancing by herself through this decrepit house. Oh wow um that's spooky yes so her mother who is now a ghost at hill house uh gives her a rope which she accepts and in her brain it was a necklace that her mom had promised her years ago and and puts it on but in reality it's a rope oh Um, and then she comes back to herself but it's too late because olivia the mom pushes her down the stairs and she dies the rope breaks her neck and we found out that this whole time the bent neck lady has had been Nell. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay, so yep, I'm seeing some parallels there then because we've got, of course, in the book, we've got the story of um, the woman hanging herself in the turret. Yep. So that would be kind of a parallel to Nell in this story. Yep, and Nell kills herself even though in the series it was maybe not really herself (laughs) right but that's another parallel too where like Nell ends up dying to stay at Hill House right 
Okay. Um, yes. So it is Nell's funeral. Thank you for Googling that. Cause I like, I could not for the life of me think of it. <laughs> um, and like I said, sometimes like trying to remember the timeline with the series swapping back and forth, it messes up my internal timeline of this. Right. A little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm going to swap back now to their last night at Hill House. Okay. Um, so the last night, Olivia, like I mentioned previously, has become, Olivia's the mom. She's become like more and more disturbed. Her mental health is declining. Um, she comments a lot about having migraines throughout the series. Um, as a migraine sufferer, I am growing concerned. (laughs) (laughs) um you shouldn't be though because there's other things that went with it okay um so she would then have like outbursts of anger periodically stuff like that so it's just like you can tell something's going on but you don't know what and not well yes and again like the older siblings and Hugh at the time thought it was a mental health thing um some of the younger siblings remind it or remember it being more of a paranormal thing this is reminding me so much of an episode of Morbid that I'm in the middle of right now. Okay. Um, where they are talking about, hold on, I'm looking. Oh, goodness. It kind of reminds uh, me of like the Amityville house too, where it's like, was it mental health related or was it supernatural related? <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, they drew some parallels in the episode to the Amityville house too. Um, it was um, Arnie Johnson. Okay. I haven't listened to that one, I don't think. Okay. Well, I know this is full of spoilers, but I won't spoil that for you. But just there was discussion of, uh, like, the Warrens end up in it and, you know, talking to different people with different perspectives on the issue. Okay. Um, whether it was that this child maybe had some sort of mental health issues, some sort of disability going on versus demon possession. Yes. So that just kind of, I don't know, that brought that to mind for me. Yeah. Very similar where like there's different stories based on who you ask. Right. Um, so Olivia is also becoming increasingly terrified for her children's safety. Okay. Um, she thinks that something is going to happen to them. And I think that she had a little bit of a gift kind of like Theo did where it wasn't through touch, but like she had senses or maybe even visions of like things to come. Okay. Now, um, and she's one of the siblings, but she ha- lives there and has children of her own. No, she is the mom. Oh, she's the mom. Olivia. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I, yeah okay I'm with you no you're good it's a lot of names to keep it is (laughs) (laughs) um so she's convinced that they would all be safer if they all died inside hill house together oh um so Hugh had told her like why don't you go stay with your sister for a little bit get away from the house just like kind of recoup recenter yourself Mm -hmm. and then when you're feeling better you come back sure Um, so at this Yes. So at this point, Hugh doesn't think that Olivia's in the house, but she comes back to Hill House in the night. Oh, Um, that's not okay. Yes. Mixes rat poison in tea. 
and invites the twins along with Abigail, who Abigail is the daughter of the caretakers of the house. Okay. Uh, I knew there was a child that wasn't hers. Okay. Yes. I'm back now. Yep. So she invites the three of those three kids into a tea party that oh I don't love that yeah where she has mixed rat poison oh Um, but Shirley wakes up kind of sees what's happening um runs in and wakes up Hugh and once he realizes what's going on he races to the red room and so that's that room with the red door that they had not been able to open oh so he gets there right as she's serving the tea. Um, he saves the twins, but he's unable to save Abigail. He was too late. Oh, no. Um, so that's also, I think, part of the reason that the caretakers kind of stick around um, mm-hmm. in hopes of seeing their little girl. Oh, my gosh. Um, but so he grabs the twins, races out of the room. Um, Olivia's trying to stop him. He pushes her, which causes her to hit her head. Um, he gets all of the kids, puts them in the car, starts driving away. Olivia, who's a little bit disoriented from hitting her head, um, falls down the stairs and ends up dead. Oh. Forever stuck in the house. Oh my. Yes. So back to present day after Nell's funeral, um, they... Luke decides he's going to go back to Hill House and he's going to burn it. Um, okay. It's, it's caused too much. It's caused his mental health. It's caused now two deaths of his family. It's caused his family to like break apart. Um, so he decides he's he's done with it. He's going to go burn it down. But sure. it refuses to catch fire. Oh. Yes. Okay. So Luke's attacked by the ghosts in Hill House. Um. Okay ends up with a needle in his arm making it look like he tried to overdose oh gosh the rest of the siblings are driven by guilt because they didn't help Nellie and they didn't really believe her when she would bring stuff up and are also like distraught over trying to save Luke because they know that that's where he's gone Mm -hmm. Um, but Nellie is actually the one that ends up saving them Oh, um, so as much as like for all of the things that has happened there, she still has her love for her family um, and she ends up kind of protecting them while they're there. But Olivia isn't letting them go. Okay. Um, so the dad, Hugh, also ends up showing up and he agrees to stay in their place so he then stays at hill house so that all the kids can leave oh wow yeah okay that's a lot yes so it's really it was crazy and there's some other things too that i can go into a little bit more detail on if you want but if you're also planning to watch the series I think I want to keep those ones and like keep little bits of it still a surprise okay I will I will trust your judgment okay but yeah so 
there's like slight parallels between the book and the series but for the most part it was kind of two different things it was like they kept some of the character names and they kept the hill house and it being haunted and trying to basically like lure Nell into it and keep her there Mm -hmm. but other than that it was like two different stories it really was. Yeah, I definitely see the influences. I kind of see the tie-ins, but but yeah, you're right. I, you could you can absolutely appreciate each on their own merits, it sounds like. Yes. And I think it's good now maybe for each of us like if I do decide to read the book and you decide to watch the series. Oh, I've already decided. Good, cuz it's really good. <laughs> okay. Um, But I think it's good that we did this before because then like I would have gone into reading the book expecting it to be a lot like the series and I probably would have been like what the hell is this? (laughs) You would have been so confused. Yeah and you probably would have been honestly disappointed if you liked the book. Right right. But I think knowing ahead of time like there's not that many parallels in it you can go into it and appreciate it as a different entity from the book. Yes and I think that that's good to know going into something because I remember, for example, um, I read the Stephen King book under the dome. I had started the book and then they were starting a TV series. Yes. So I rushed to finish the book because I didn't want the TV show to spoil the book. Yep. And the first episode or two were fairly close to the book. And then it branched off and did something that had nothing to do with the book at all. Yeah. And I think had I known that ahead of time, I could have enjoyed the series more. Yep. But it's always disappointing when you really enjoy a book and you're expecting the series or the movie to be that. Right. And then to go in and find out, like, there's some character names that are the same, but otherwise that's about it. Like, (laughs) yeah, it would be super disappointing. Yeah. Honestly, it's um well I was gonna compare it to The Shining but that's not really a fair comparison because that really did try to tell the same story um I haven't read The Shining yet but from what I've heard the book is more paranormal than the movie absolutely yeah absolutely it is the movie really uh makes it seem like mental health related having a breakdown because you know basically got extreme cabin fever but there's a lot more supernatural stuff that happens in the book that does not appear in the movie. Okay. So the book is, excuse me, the book is absolutely worth reading. It's a great, it's a great read. Um, I remember, gosh, we were living in the the Cutler street house. So I must've been in middle school when I read the book. Yeah. I mean, I could not put it down. I was, I was like up all night reading because Well, and of course, Stephen King is a master of doing that thing where the end of the chapter is something where you can't put it down because you have to start the next chapter to find out how it resolves. Yep. I, I don't even know how quickly I read that on the first trip through that book because it was, it was hard to put down. Man. And I still love the movie too, but I kind of treat them as two slightly separate things, I think. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to go into watching the series doing as well. Okay. But let me know when you're ready to start watching it because I'll rewatch it again. And like I said, if we're like together, we can watch an episode here or there, but like otherwise just we'll be texting each other while we're watching it because 
Okay. <laughs> There's just so many like twists and turns and re- like revelations where you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Um, speaking of twists and turns. Uh-huh. I, and I'm not going to give anything away because I just gave it to you, but I finally finished All Good People Here. I just finished my library book, so I can't wait to start it. Yeah, and I'm excited for you to text me as you read that one, too, with your theories and reactions, because um, I thought from the beginning of the book, I had it figured out, and I was like, honestly, it's this is going to be kind of a boring read for me. And I think that's why it was a slower start for me because I was like, I already know what's going to happen. Like I've already got it figured out. Um, But when I tell you there are twists and turns right up to literally the last page of the book, Mm -hmm. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) That is awesome. I cannot wait to get it started. I think that might be the next one I pick up. I think it should be. Okay. Um, It'll take you a little bit to get to the first kind of turn in the book um but after that they're just like nonstop. okay I am so excited it's it ended up being a really really good book okay so I uh, let's see what have I been reading I just finished the second book in a series that I've gotten hooked on okay um I'm gonna reach over and grab it here so the first book is the sweetness at the bottom of the pie oh the second the hangman's bag they're by alan bradley very interesting titles yes well the title was kind of what grabbed my attention at first i checked these out from my library um and i just i don't know when i go to the library nine times out of ten i don't have anything specific in mind to pick up i just i wander the shelves and let the book tell me yeah (laughs) so i was in the mystery section and the title caught my attention and it was a, a pretty green cover and I thought, well, okay. So I, you know, picked it up and looked at the description. I thought, oh, this seems kind of interesting. So this series follows a girl named Flavia Deleuze and she's 11 and it's set in England in the 1950s. Okay. And she's just, you know, running around the town solving murders. And she's, um, she has a really elaborate chemistry lab that used to be, they live in a house that's been in their family for generations. And it was like an uncle or something that initially had this chemistry lab. Is she a little girl? She's 11. Okay. Totally casual then. Totally casual. Yep. (laughs) She is obsessed with chemistry, particularly with poisons. Okay. Um, like in the first book, just like a little sort of side story that goes on in it is that she has stolen her sister's lipstick. She has extracted the oils from poison ivy (laughs) and she has melted down the lipstick, mixed in the poison ivy, reformed the lipstick and put it back. And she is waiting and observing for her sister to have some sort of reaction to using it. And she's like documenting and taking notes. It's so funny. (laughs) It is such a funny book. So obviously I, so I just inhaled the book basically. And um, went back this past week and picked up the second one, which I just finished last night. So okay, another murder solved by an 11 year old. Totally Um, casual. And it's, it's just fantastic. The writing is great. I love the character. Honestly, makes me think a little bit of Addie if she had a chemistry lab yeah I could see that which I'm glad she doesn't yeah don't buy her one (laughs) no (laughs) 
Um, either I'm that gonna... or stop wearing lipstick. Right. Well, I'm a step ahead of you there. I can't remember I the last say, time I put on makeup. Yeah, because you wear it every day. <laughs> yeah, nope, nope. Not about that life these days. Um, I have also started reading The Body Keeps the Score again. Um, which, Addie, or Allie, if you want to... Jeez, I just called you by my child's name. Awesome. It's not the first time, won't be the last. I'm turning into my mother. Great. <laughs> um... If you want to join us on that one, we just like tabbed it all out. We're going to read tiny little sections at a time. Okay. Um, because it is a lot to take in. It's, yeah. Send me uh, over the tabs and the schedule. Okay. It's kind of an informal schedule. We just really picked the first section that we're going to read and kind of our stopping point and figured out, you know, like, okay, when we both read it, then we'll get together and discuss it. So we're doing it really informally, like no tight timeline, no rush, but. Fine. I like that. Yeah. Um, but it's very information heavy. Um, so it's a lot to absorb. And I okay. think it's going to be really helpful to discuss it as we go. But it has to do with kind of um, trauma's effect on the body and that type of thing. So oh, okay, I would be very interested in that. Yeah. And then I'm also because I can't read just one book at a time. Apparently, I think it's an ADHD thing. Yep. 100%. Um, I'm still working my way through Stephen King's work in order. Um, so if he could slow down a little on the writing, that would really help me catch up. <laughs> uh, but he won't. No, nope. uh, nor should he. So I'm reading different seasons. Four novellas in it. Okay. The first one, which I'm just about to the end of, is the one that Shawshank Redemption is based on. Oh, okay. So... It's got that. It's got the one that uh, Stand By Me was based on. And it's got two others that I can't come up with right off the top of my head. Okay. Um, I'm excited for you to get to one of like maybe two Stephen King books that I've read so far in my life. I plan to read more. I just, I have so many books on my to be read shelf already. <laughs> I counted. And as far as physical books, not including the four that I just bought, there are 31 on my yeah. to be read shelf, not to mention my to be read shelf on Goodreads. Exactly. So, um, but I had bought it for dad a few years ago, I think for like his birthday. And then I read it after him, but it's called The Outsider. Oh, I feel like maybe I saw the movie so they did like a series on HBO Max okay then no that's not what I'm thinking of I one okay yeah they did uh, a couple years ago they did a series of it like a limited series it's just like a one season thing mm -hmm. um that was actually pretty good it came out a little while after I had read the book so it was like trying to rack my brain to see how well it lined up but it lined up fairly well from what I remember Okay. Um, but I did I, really enjoy that book. So I think it'll be a little bit before you get to that one if you're doing it in, in chronological order. But yeah, that one was really good. Okay. And Dad yeah. has that one if you want to borrow it. Okay. I feel <laughs> like they've been doing a better and better job of translating Stephen King's work to film. Yeah. Because for the longest time, I found so many of the movies absolutely disappointing yeah because they would be so good and so good and so scary and so good and then you get to the point where you see whatever the monster or the creature or the whatever is 
and it was so hokey and so disappointing so like the original it with tim curry and you know pennywise was horrifying yeah but then when you get to the point where they're like in the tunnels and it's the big like basically animated spider thing it was like really (laughs) really oh man really terrified or that movie terrified you still though Uh, well because the clown was horrifying (laughs) and i mean you know my feelings on clowns anyway yeah i have them too if you've got a paint on your facial expressions you're hiding something you're up to no good yep so yeah but then the remake did you see the remake of it so okay I with bill Hader and i've never seen the original oh my gosh i know i need to we need a movie night yes um and i've seen the first movie of the remake because there's the two newer ones i've seen the first one okay watch the second one i i loved the remake i still have not read the book yet um and i just was looking through my list and i've got i think a little ways to go before i get there oh yeah i do one of one of my all-time favorite gifts has come from the first of the newer it's and it's um (laughs) the forest gump one yeah it's forest gump (laughs) on the boat doing that like goofy wave and then it cuts over to pennywise with the severed arm waving it (laughs) yes that is my go-to i love it that's one of my like all-time favorites yes perfect yeah so different seasons then i move on to christine and i've got like probably six or eight more before i get to it so yeah he writes long books too so it takes a bit yeah some of them are fairly quick but some of them I know I used to have it in paperback and I was in high school at the time when I tried to tackle it and it just I never made it through so well and back in the day of uh VHS tapes it was Mm -hmm. one that was split into two tapes yes well I think wasn't it originally like a mini series or something Oh, I have no idea. It came out in two parts. I might be making that up. I do that from time to time. I just remember seeing it on mom and dad's bookshelf in their room and it being two VHS tapes. And I was always like, I've never seen that before. That and Titanic. Yeah. (laughs) There were a handful of them that were that way back in the day, but not a ton. Well, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap her on up. Um... Um... what are we do we know what we're going to tackle next or should we just announce the socials and tell people to stay tuned i think we just say to stay tuned because we haven't really talked about where to go next yet um but now that we finally tackled the hill house we need to uh figure that out (laughs) that would probably be a really good next step So All right, so will, stay tuned to the socials. Yeah, we'll discuss it. And when we land on something, we will um, post it to our socials. Um, also, I am working on getting a website put together with episode guides um, so that we can keep track of drink recipes and um, any sources that we used like in today's. Um, yep. so we can credit those appropriately. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. That will be released will in be. the future. Yeah, that'll be shared on our socials too when that is up and running. Absolutely. But in the meantime, remember, remember to read, read responsibly. responsibly.
Oh, I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.